ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão de culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão pela explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim, intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast. Befica podcast is one of the founding projects of Befica Independent, uh, independent project uh, made by fans for fans. Uh, check them out, BefikaIndependent.com. All kinds of articles. You can find our podcast there. You can find Befica FM there. Uh, you can find Brinco there. Uh, you can find uh, reca recaps from games that they're doing uh, after each uh, one of the Benfica's games. Uh, definitely uh, check that out. There's uh, quite a few features that are pretty uh, interesting. BenficaIndependent.com, also with some Patreon, with some special features for, for patrons, of course. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. As always, uh, with me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira. Como é que é, amigo? Como é que é, pá? Tudo bem? Tudo bem. And uh, the other Oliveira with the D in front of him, David. What's happening? Not that much. Uh, good to be back on. We're talking uh, actual games this time around, so good to be back on. We wish we weren't back on talking games, but it is what it is. Episode 367 is what you we're serving up tonight. We'll recap the Tondela game. Cristiano, you remember that, that joke you made about the Dansaro Tondela? We, had a, we can't do that. We can't joke with that one no more, bro. No. That's what happens. We know. Uh, you spit up in the air. It's got to land somewhere. And I've been joking about it for way too long. And now it landed flat on my face last, what was it, Thursday? Thursday. Re, what do you, what do you call it? Re, 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 cumsado campeonato. And that shit, and, and, and that crap landed squarely <laughs> on my face. And now I have to, uh, I have to stop using that joke for, for a yeah. little time. Yeah. Until uh, Sporting of Ports dances there. <laughs> I don't know if you got to play him again. Have to play him again? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't think I don't, so. I don't know. Yeah. Also on the menu, we will look ahead to Portimonense, which is uh, this Wednesday, tomorrow, as we record this, as we're recording on Tuesday night. Uh, so we'll look ahead to that, and hopefully it'll be a much better, a bunch, a much better match than the Tondela. Let's start with Tondela. Lineup, Vlacodimus in goal, Almeida Diaz, Jardel, Grimaldo. Uh, Julian Weigel, Gabriel in the midfield, Pizzi, Rafa, Tarap behind Vini. And Dave, quite a few changes since last time we lined up. Yeah, starting with uh, the back there, we got uh, Tomas Tavares out for Almeida coming back in. Uh, Jardel, who's making, uh, who made his first uh, league start since uh, November 9th against Santa Clara, he's in. Ferru was out. Uh, Samaris out for Weigel. Uh, Chiquinho out for Gabriel, who uh, made his return following uh, his uh, eye scare. And uh, Cervi was out, uh, and Rafa came in his spot there. Yeah, and now uh, we knew that with the with the restart and, and Benfica going through a little mini preseason, that there would be the great equalizer in terms of fitness and guys being healthy and guys starting from, uh, from uh, the starting position or zero começar do zero Cristiano, are you surprised at all that Jardel got, uh, got a nod instead of uh, Ferro 
To be honest with you, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, look, it was a pleasant surprise, but I thought I thought Lodge was going to stick with the back line of, you know, Ferro, Diaz, Grimaldo on the left, and then the return of Almeida. <clears throat> and also because we've seen that with Lodge, he's been a little bit, uh, what, what's, what's the word, man? He, you know, it's his way or the highway. He's kind of tried to prove to every one of us for, for the last, at least in the first, uh, before uh, we had to stop for the, the, the COVID stuff. It showed that he was persistent. He was going to stick with his guys. He was going to show us that his guys were, you know, uh, were good enough to get the job done. And so when, when you thought about almost a three-month break, we talked about here so many times that we thought he needed a, a rest. We, he needed to sit a game. Uh, just to catch his breath a little bit because he was committing mistakes. And then it just – it was like one of those snowball effects. So I, I fully anticipated with the three-month break that he would get – you know, we'd get the call here. First game back, uh, rested. Uh, let's, let's give this another run. Let's, let's see if we could finally get the, get the train back on track. Gabriel's back. Almeida's back. You know, hey, let, let's, let's get this straightened out. And when I saw Jardel, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And look, to Jardel's uh, credit, Played reasonably well. So, uh, you know, Lodge got this one right, at least uh, f- for the time being. Yeah, I think that uh, with Jardel with coming in, uh, we all know that uh, at, when the, the, the campeonat paused, that Ferro was having some struggles. Obviously, um, his first full year in the senior team, uh, and obviously as a, as a young player, sometimes it's hard uh, to keep the same uh, mental uh, intensity, if you will. We also know that he was, uh, he had been playing with a knock for a little bit, with nothing that would prevent him from playing, but it was, it was affecting him. But I think that the, the biggest thing here, in my opinion, I think that the uh, is perhaps going with, uh, with a veteran, uh, being that he is healthy and he's at the same level of fitness as everyone else. Um, I felt that, uh, that it was a good choice by, by Laj, or it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, especially when you have a run of 10 games where you really don't have margin for error. Uh, but, um, you know, Benfica comes into this game knowing uh, that Porto had dropped three points at Tondela with an opportunity, um, not Tondela, Famalicão, uh, with an opportunity to leapfrog Porto uh, and take the lead of the championship. Um, Dave, let me ask you this. How much do you think that Tondela played uh, with the fact that Benfica was going to be a little anxious, was going to show some anxiety uh, trying to bring this game to them? They kind of sat in the back and just waited for Benfica and really sat deep and defended well. And Benfica had all kinds of problems trying to get into that final third. They had five guys along the back, and to their credit, they um, they they played well defensively. They didn't give much space uh, to Benfica, so I knew right away that Benfica would need to get a, a quick goal uh, to uh, just to break Tondela. But unfortunately, that goal never came. And like I said, to, to Tondela's credit, they were uh, very well organized in the back and did not create uh, any or didn't leave any spaces for us to uh, create any opportunities uh, to uh, for any real good goal scoring uh, chances. Tondela didn't even attempt to get out of their own half. <laughs> I mean, 
especially in the first in the first half, to be brutally honest. They just said, look, you know, we're rusty. Let's hope Benfica's rusty with three months off. We're just going to compact things and, and do what we have to do to get, get the ball out as far away from our goal as possible and then reset once again. Let them come on their attack. We compact. We defend. We get rid of the ball. Let's compact once again. Reset. It's just... You know, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. Let's just keep doing it. And I think, look, it worked just to, to some extent, right? It worked on their behalf. They they were able to keep Benfica uh, from scoring. They were able to keep Benfica from getting any real uh, scoring opportunities without the, with the exception of that first opportunity by Rafa, what, in the, in the first minute? What was it? It was really yeah. early on. Besides really that, Benfica didn't really pose any real threats. And I think it worked to perfection. They did what they had to do. Um, they banked on Benfica being rusty and to somewhat they were. And and look, like Alfredo said, uh, the pressure was squarely on Benfica's shoulders. Uh, Porto had just dropped points. Benfica knew if they did what they had to do, they would leapfrog uh, Porto and take the lead in, in, in the Campeonato. And so... What did Tondela have to do? I have to lose. Absolutely not. Just sit back and, and do what we have to do. So that first half, um, it, I think they were just there uh, f- uh, along for the ride. Yeah. Um, not a very good uh, half by Benfica, but Cristiano, how much can we dismiss this first half as to, okay, well, we're coming off of, of a long pause but really, the way we saw this team play, both in the first half and in the second half, it almost seemed like there was no pause that they carried right over from the Stubble game right into the Stondela game. We see the same problems over and over again with this team. Lack of intensity in the final third, lack of ideas in the final third. Can we really look at this game and really just throw this game away and, and, and think about it as, well, they're coming back from the pause and, and they're rusty? In, in in reality, right? In in reality, we should all be sitting back and giving the team a break because of exactly that, right? Team was on a break, you know, these guys haven't got much practice under their belts. You knew, I mean, you you kind of had to anticipate that Benfica's going to struggle, uh, you know, for, for a bit in this game. But at the same time, Dondello stopped as well. You knew they were going to be rusty as well. And you knew that, you know, they weren't going to have their legs under them. So you, you anticipated Benfica at some point to turn around and look, the quality was going to overtake, you know, the, the game and just grab the you know, bull by the horns and Benfica was going to find a way to win this game. And, and, and it absolutely did not happen. I think that's what's got me pissed off. That's, what, that's what's, what's infuriated me so much. That's what's frustrated me so much thinking about this game since last Thursday, which is... Again, I just stated we should really, in reality, be giving the team a pass because of everything we just mentioned. But, bro, when you look at the way that we played, when we look at the way that we stagnated, when you look at the way that with our struggles prior to going into this, you know, uh, this stop, right, because of the coronavirus, right, it's, it's as if nothing's changed. Absolutely nothing's changed. Like, they haven't learned from their mistakes, and that's what's bothered me. And Alfredo and Dave, I've used this line here on the podcast for years. I think since like since, since I initially started being a part of the podcast, which is I don't have any coaching badges. I'm not a professional coach by any stretch of the imagination. And if I could sit here from my couch 3,000 miles away and see what the problem is on TV, how in the hell are you not able to see that when this is your job, this is what you get paid to do, right? You don't see these deficiencies on video. You had three freaking months to go over 
Do you ever the, the first, what, 24, 25 games, whatever it was? You had three months to go over every single one of those games, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let's see, look, what were we doing well? When our team was hitting the stride, this is what we're doing well. You have to identify that. Then all of a sudden, our team dropped in form. We got to identify that. It's as if everybody went home on quarantine, and that's exactly what they did. They quarantined and left their computers and internet at home. Didn't do anything as far as reading, uh, game plans, as far as watching video. Absolutely not. Let's just come out there. And you know what? Our horses are going to take us to the end. Lodge made a different, a little change that was Jardel, as you talked about. But nothing else changed. Absolutely nothing else changed. You thought Gabriel was going to come in. It was going to be totally different. No, no. Tarap played as a second striker role. The guy didn't even see the ball. It was just atrocious. It's just the same boring soccer we've seen the first half of the season when we started to struggle till now, they learned absolutely nothing. And that's the crap that has me pissed off. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that up and, and what he did. I mean, in the first half, we look at the amount of touches. You only had more touches than uh, than Vinicius, uh, yeah, right? like which basically in an island, and Vlakodimus, which is the goalie. He, that those are the only people that he beat in terms of touches. Now, for a guy that plays in in between the the defensive line and the midfield in that open space in those lanes, and a guy that supposedly needs to be opening up space for the forward or needs to be com combining with the guys from midfield, with the wingers, with the forward, he not seeing the ball certainly uh, is going to paint a bad picture for him. And see, that brings me back to the point I just made about not having coaching badges. How the hell are we able to see this, right? You go back to prior to the game, prior to kickoff, you and I were in a chat and stuff, and we're talking about Tarap playing that secondary role. And the question was brought up, you know, uh, you really think he should be playing there, especially now with, with a guy like Gabriel who's going to dominate the ball so much in the midfield. If Tarap's not getting the ball, he's used to, like, we're, again, we're regular freaking fans. And we are pinpointing the, 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 those, those, those deficiencies and the stuff that could go wrong with that opt if he's not playing. And, and, and that's exactly what happens. How, do, how are we able to identify that, Alfredo? And they don't see that. Like, again, that opt and as you guys know, I, I, look, dude, I don't think there's anyone that likes that opt more than I do. But in that role, if he's not touching the ball, man, it's like just, just, just sit him on the bench. Bring him in in the second half. A guy's full of energy to replace one of your two center midfielders because it's pointless. Everyone just wants to sit here, point at the top, point at the top, point at the top. But look, if you don't touch the ball, if you don't get the ball in the right positions, there's nothing you could do. I mean, but it's not even about the top, guys. No. My frustration is not about the top. It's that you and I identify that shit on a stupid WhatsApp ch uh, chat, and they can't identify that. That's what's bothering me. So predictable. Like, bro, like, how am I, you know, from, <laughs> I was going to say something, dude. But how could I? How could we, right? Just regular football guys. Or are we able to identify that going into the game, if that opt's not touching the ball, it's like we have a game plan to make them useful, but our coaching staff has no clue. Yeah. No, and look, I think that uh... – that that says a lot about the coaching staff and and the people that are that are running this team, right? Um, the other thing is that, it, and, and yes, I guess you could you could give the team a pass in terms of well, they're just coming back from a long uh, term break. But the biggest thing for me, uh, aside from from the quality which was horrendous, was the motivation. You go into this game in control of your destiny. 
to be able to put your, some distance between you and Porto, to regain control of the championship, to leave it all up to you. And the way this team goes into this field, it just doesn't look like there's any intensity that the players are not motivated. I, I mean, uh, if it was Porto players, they would be eating grass to win this game. If you think back, to Rui Vitória's last few months at Benfica, one, one word, one phrase we always use here on a podcast, which was the team takes on the image of the head coach. It's the mirror of the head coach. As you stated, Porto got that, that dog, that, that fight that never dies, right? Sergio Conceição. Our, Bruno Lage is a tremendous dude, nice guy. But the team is just like him, very calm. You Sometimes you need someone to light that fire up, up under your butt. And it's just, it's not happening. And the few times you do see him trying to give instructions to the field, it's as if they've tuned them out. To me, that's a sign that, look, uh, sayonara, thank for what you've done, but, you know, your ship is sailed, buddy. You missed yeah. it. You know, we, we're not going to get a tugboat to, to, to take you out to the middle of the ocean and catch the ship. It's gone. Like, forget about it. And, and, and it's disturbing. It's really disturbing because, as, as you just mentioned, like, it, it seems as if they were going through the motion. And, you know, obviously, it's going to be the ones that defend. There was no fans. And the, I don't – look, man, I, I, said, I said it a million times. You're a professional. Yeah. You shouldn't need motivation. And then on top of it, you have an opportunity to, to, to jump over your rival. If that's not motivation enough, I don't know what is. I mean, what, what, what do you want? Yeah. I mean, after giving up a seven-point lead – uh, relinquishing the lead and now being offered the lead on a silver platter and not taking advantage of it, to me, that is the thing that frustrates me the most. Uh, along with Laj, and I think that, that Laj is, is beginning to be found out, right? Um, because, uh, you know, as substitutions were horrendous, uh, pulls out, clearly pulls out Weigel, who was perhaps having... His best game in my figure shirt. I'm a hundred percent. That's where I was going with that. Sure. End of story. Pulls out uh, Weigel and uh, us in a chat. When, when we spoke about that, I said, well, why should Benfica have three guys in, in the center of the park? Because Tondela is barely coming out. But on the other side of the coin, you could have said, well, why are we playing with two center backs? Why don't we just play with, with three defenders? Because Tondela is not coming. Let Weigel stay where he is to balance out the team or even to drop into to, to the center back because he has played center back before. Played for Dortmund, exactly. You right. could have dropped uh-huh. And 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 let the let that up drop a little bit more and let that up be the creative force. Use Gabriel to balance the game in the midfield, to use, uh, wear those long balls, and then that up to penetrate with his dribble because nobody else, as Cristiano mentioned, well, nobody else is doing that. The one positive, and I agree with you, I wouldn't have taken him out because, look, he, he, he was clearly having his best game at Benfica since he's arrived. And, and at the end of the day, as you mentioned, uh, look, Tondela wasn't even attempted to go forward, maybe take out a center back. But then again, this is the thing about Portuguese coaches, and I mentioned it here on the podcast, Portuguese coaches always play scared. You know, they need the two center backs just in case Tondela decides to go on a counterattack. I don't know. I don't get it. But, look, the thing is this. Even though he got that sub wrong, his idea behind it was correct, which was bringing back that opt and allowing that opt to carry the ball, get the ball from behind, and get a lot more involved. Then you saw in the second half, the few opportunities that we had, it was that opt a lot of creating a lot of that, those plays. So his theory behind it, he was he was half right. Let's 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 be fair because that opt and the team did pick it up for a few minutes, and that opt did have a, a way better second half than he did in the first half because you see on the ball a lot more. It just it just. 
the question of who, you know, who should have came in, who should have came out. But the idea behind it, Alfred, I don't want to rip them apart for, for it. Because, again, I agreed with getting to drop the ball further deeper into the field. So um, I don't want to kill him 100%. But I just think that he could have maybe changed things a little bit differently. You know, as you said, take out a, a Jardel, who had a good game. A guy played his first game since, what, November, Dave? October? Uh, his first third, his first league start since November 9th. Okay, so his first league starts since November 9th. Think, think about that. That's not just the coronavirus layoff. My man's been laid off forever. And he comes in and he plays a, plays a reasonably good game. So, you know, it, it wasn't – he didn't get it all wrong. But maybe, man, just because, as you mentioned, Dundella wasn't even attempting to play football. They were just there. It wasn't even parking a bus. That was parking a yellow submarine. You know what I mean? It was just like we're not even going to attempt to, to, to come out of our block. We're not going to – we're just going to be very compact. And – Maybe put in a guy that has an ability to spread the ball around from the back, right? Because all of a sudden, you saw late in the second half, Ruben Diaz is the one. Of, it's just, bro, this whole team, bro. The more I think about this, Alfredo, I know I'm going everywhere, right? Because as I'm talking, I'm thinking about other points. And it's just, it, and like I get off track and I yeah, lose but, track. But it's, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, look, I, I certainly understand the idea, right? But I have to kill him because the, the guy that was perhaps having the best game uh, uh, of the 11 players, uh, the 11 Bifica players, the guy that gets taken out, and then the guy that's having the worst game of the night that, is ha- that has been having a, 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 bad, a bad spell uh, even before the pause is the last guy to come out. I'm talking about Pizzi. Came out in the 83rd minute for Jota. He's faking was- himself out. Did you I see was- the one play tripped over the ball? Like, I'm like... <laughs> How is Pizzi in this game for this long? I mean, and it goes back to Shannon's point. If if us sitting on a couch can see this, how is he not seeing this? He's got guys up on the top of the stadium. He's All these players are equipped with GPS. They know exactly what each player is doing, how much he's running, what kind of intensity, how many sprints they're completing. And there's no guy that could, that could call down and say, hey, Pizzi slacking, man. You got to get him out. You got to put somebody in there that's going to bring something fresh to 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 this to this game. But no, so I'm going to kill him for that substitution. I just thought that was awful on his part. Game, the game plan in the first half was Vigo, win the ball back. Okay, now you win it back. Now give it to Gabriel. Gabriel gets it. Gabriel, spread it out wide. Grimaldo, Almeida, you come up the wings, you cross. But yeah. Before you cross, right before you cross, do it. Close your eyes and just kick it into the box. Pick nobody out because it's always it 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 it, it baffles me. Whether it's Vinicius Ferovic or or or, or um, Diego Souza, yeah, they make an ear post run. The cross goes second post. <laughs> they make a second post run. The cross goes near post. Uh, pay attention, guys. Almeida and Grimaldo. Grimaldo, the all specialty free kick taker, whatever, the specialty, right? Can't get across, right? But those guys, pay attention, when, but right before they cross the ball, they either look straight down or they close their eyes. It's amazing. It's about these guys are professionals, and they can't get one right. I yep. mean, they had 14 corners out of those 14 corners. That one in Wajardel falling back, headers, it hits the outside of the post. But every other corner just like, yo, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to kick it into the box, and hopefully somebody gets to it. it it's just – and then let's do it all over again. Vigo, get the ball. Gabriel, Gabriel out wide. Center backs. I mean, uh, full backs. Cross it back. You go second post. I'm going to go near post. It's just – and repeat. It was like recipes. But, but uh, 
But you know what? You know what the funniest thing about that that you mentioned that that uh, there was no shortage of crosses throughout the first half and and some of the second half. The minute we put two forwards in the box, the crosses stop. Stop. That's that's. Dave, how do you explain that, man? All these crosses remind me of uh, Vitoria's last uh, last week, last years of Benfica when everything was just. If it wasn't going, if there was no space down the middle, cross to the other end, and then if it wasn't anything on that wing, cross it back again. Yeah, I'm. God, I hope we don't go back to those those uh, those days. But we're uh, close. just one thing, I would. Yeah, we are close, and we're playing Porto Minis, uh coming up here, and that was Vitoria's last uh, game in charge. So maybe there's some uh, something there. But it's something I just wanted to bring up. Um, I think we touched about it just um, a little bit, but there, with there no being fans, you can't even say that the, the these players felt the weight of the the badge or that the player that the fans were on them for, for not performing because they don't have they don't have that excuse. They, they're perhaps they lucky. Excuse. They're perhaps yeah, lucky they are lucky that the fans lucky. weren't there, right? Because of yeah, monumental we're... whistling from the fans. Well, maybe, maybe that would maybe because the coach is not demanding from you maybe the fans would have lit a fire on, on the pc's ass maybe that would have gotten the players to go because obviously the people on the sideline are not doing anything to get the players going now we'll touch about this in a little while because i'm pretty sure you're going to get into it about how loosely be going into the uh, uh, in a, to the dressing room and and, and ripping everyone in the way and i just want to say i'm i'm all for that the team did not perform and that's the sad part is when you really look down at the scope you start looking at things this they had a built-in excuse Right? Like, you win 1-0, they create a few changes. Like, yo, you know what? Look, we got the win because we're definitely the better team. We're playing at home. You know, but you can't expect 4 or 5 nothing. We were rusty. They were rusty. We were playing. We didn't play for three months. You know, and we could have totally had a, you know, we've been having a totally different conversation here right now. Right? But no, they didn't even. It's, it's as if they just went through a practice game. There was nothing on the line. Right? Just the fact that you could have overtaken the lead in the campeonato, if to me, if that is not enough motivation, uh, grab your bags, pack it in, and leave. Because I don't know what else is going to get you to motivate. And, but the fans would have definitely helped, I think, in a positive way. Because I think they would have woken up a couple of the guys that was just lallygagging throughout the field, Alfredo. Yeah. Um, I, I think that at this point, uh, you – you have to start thinking about the disconnect between Laj and the team as he lost the locker room, as Cristiano um, was talking about that, as he lost the locker room, as he lost some of the, the leaders in that locker room that are no longer playing for him. I don't know what's going on, but it's – how do you go from having um, the second half of the season that you had last year – uh, playing really good football, running over teams, beating teams 10 nothing, uh, And now you, you're in this I, – I, I don't even have words to explain what I've seen for this team. Uh, and then just to exacerbate the, the issue is that you give up this opportunity, a golden opportunity. And no wonder Luis Flipfieta went down to the locker room because I think that everybody – uh, the people in the stadium and watching on TV understood what this opportunity meant once Porto dropped the points. I'll answer your question. When you said, I'll come last year, this team seemed to hit all cylinders and all stride, and they were able to overcome their own seven-point deficit. And so let's play a game of, of, of play along, right? Let's go along with me. You know how you just said that the team somehow is tuned out, Brunelage, right? 
reverse it to a year ago, the team tuned out Vitoria. They were just like, whatever, man. We can't wait to, to get some a new voice. And they were just so thrilled that they had a new voice, a new coach who came in and spoke to them right and talked about pregnancies and gave them presents and everything, right? Everybody in a happy mood that they themselves put it in fifth gear and – you know what I mean? They, they just did what they had to do. Then you had the, the difference makers and the Jerome Felixes. Jonas, very limited, but Jerome Felix made a tremendous difference. I mean, that's the type of player that in the Portuguese league that, as we saw, could carry a team just based on his performances, right? And we don't have nobody in the team to do that right now. And I think that the team went on a high because they were just, hey, man, we, we tuned out this guy. Well, this guy don't know crap about football. And it was only a matter of time until they found out this guy. <laughs> he might know just as much as the other guy. And so now they're like, hey, man, maybe maybe we need a new coach to come in. Maybe they need a new spark. I don't know what it is. But to me, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, it, the players were just so thrilled that they had a new voice in the locker room, Alfredo, that they they just – they themselves made the difference. Yeah, I'd like to think that Laj knows a little bit more from uh, than Rui Vitoria. But at this point, you look at the two side by side, and I think that Laj is – quickly coming to a, a Rui Vitoria standards. Actually and worse, Alfredo. We have one win in nine games, and I'm pretty sure Dave's got a stat. This is the worst since, like, 19, I don't know what, streak in non-win, non-games. Go ahead, Dave. Fuck. Go ahead. G give us some. Uh, four, go ahead. Four straight draws uh, for Benfica. Third, uh, three in a row in league competition. That's the second time in club history. Uh, last time that happened was in 64, 65. Oh, so. I said 1990, but I, I got the – I meant 19, 19, 1960. That's what I'm <laughs> – that's even worse. I just, awful. And the last last nine games, one win, five draws, four losses. So How, how is this right acceptable? There. How is this acceptable in the last nine games, one win, five draws, and four losses? How is this acceptable for my Benfica? Look, I tell you, the only thing the, the, the Bruno Lage should be ecstatic, right? That we had a pause in between, right? So that they gave him another three months to be head of coach of of, of Benfica. Um, and, and the other thing he should be ecstatic about is the fact that Porto was just as, as, as atrocious as we are, and due to the fact that they're bad, they're not running away from us. Because had Porto been the Porto that we expect, and Porto's up nine points right now, right? Lage would have been gone already. He would have been gone, right? Or see even six points. But now the fact that there's still an opportunity. Look, as bad as Benfica's been, they're still level on points. I know what the goal with the head-to-head -head differential at the end of the day. If it finishes like that, Benfica loses out. But right now, they're still competing for the title. So I think that's what's keeping them alive. Because had Porto handled their business, and Benfica been as atrocious as we've been, and Benfica been you know trailing this campeonato by a handful of points, I think. My boy George Jesus wouldn't have re-signed with Flamingo. I think he would have been at Benfica already. I um, I ju I just don't I don't have any any words to uh, explain what's uh, what's going on here. But it, it certainly is uh, is entering. It, it's close to entering <laughs> entering that realm that we saw and that we despise so much the Rui Vitoria. And I I just uh, this, and as Christiana mentioned, this is probably. Not probably. I'm. I'm pretty sure. And uh, we have. We have obviously seen a lot of Porto teams throughout the years. This is perhaps, or, or the worst Porto team in years that I've seen. Um, and and as Cristiano mentioned, if this Porto was semi decent, easily 
a double digit double digit uh, uh, advantage over Benfica. We wouldn't have even had it to to restart this league. But Alfred, but it, it wouldn't have even needed to be a double digit, but just a long enough lead where we really realistically don't have an opportunity to win the title. Like you know what I mean? Porto's not dropping points. You know, Laj would have been gone. I don't think he would have survived this. Yeah. Um, what is that? What does that have to say about the team that we've seen this, this subpar Porto team, and yet the two performances that they played against us, they outdominated <laughs> us the both games. So what does um, that have to say about us as well, right? And, well, and as, I you, as I told you the first game, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Sergio Conceição. I don't think he's a, he's he's I'm talking about X's and O's, right? I don't think he's 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 a tremendous coach by any stretch of the imagination. But in that game, they whooped our ass at the start of the lose. They gave us a clinic because they seemed as if Unlike our coaching staff, they watch video. They identified our strong points and they attacked our weaknesses throughout the whole game. I mean, we had what was it, three shots on goal? It came first shot came in the seventy-six minute. For my memory is correct, at the start of the lose at home, defending champions. Porto comes into our house. We just beat Sporting five-zero. We beat some Pasfre, whoever the hell else five. We're on a high. Porto comes into our house and white and just wipes the floor with us because Sergio Conceição and his coaching staff knew they're smart enough to watch video and it's something that it seems that our coaching staff has no clue what to do completely out coached that game uh, you could say that with 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 all clarity and all the letters um and that's so, not to talk about the garra as you said Alfred. those guys yeah. when they see when it, it really is they see red it's like the bulls they see red portis to see they go crazy and yeah. so look the motivation of losing the title to us last year and then obviously they just despise us along with what we just identified, you know, seems like they attacked every weakness of us. I mean, that is a recipe for disaster for Benfica. So frustrating, very, very frustrating. But uh, I think that things would become even worse after we found out um, the incident that, uh, that happened with the bus as the bus is returning to the Seychelles. Apparently not apparently, but a, a rock was thrown uh, from an overpass uh, at one of the windows uh, ended up breaking uh, breaking the window. Uh, shards of of glass uh, went on both uh, Weigel and and Zivkovic. I guess both of them were were sitting together. Zivkovic had to be bandaged over his right eye. Um, the following morning, uh, we found out from the newspapers that uh, some some of the players' houses had been va- uh, vandalized. Uh, Pizzi, uh, Rafa. Uh, Grimaldo was also, and Brunelage uh, was also uh, a victim of the, the vandals. Um, so, I mean, I think at this point, you, you've got to think that Brunelage's uh, state of grace uh, is coming to an end. Um, and I think that uh, Benfica really needs to, um, to answer in this game against Portimonense which uh, takes place this Wednesday, which is tomorrow as we record this, 2.15 local. Uh, Dave, what's Portimonense up to, man? Uh, they're currently in 17th uh, position with 19 uh, points this year, so in the second uh, relegation spot, six points behind uh, Pash Freire, uh, who are uh, right above them there. They won last week against uh, Gil Vicente. Their game actually kicked off the uh, return of the Portuguese league and they won at home one uh, nothing from a goal from uh, Lucas Fernandes. And uh, like we mentioned previously, uh, 
Historically, Benfica against Portimonense, 34 wins, 8 draws, 1 loss. And that last, uh, that loss came last year, which happened to be uh, Vitoria's last game in charge. Yeah, as Dave mentioned, second to last. Uh, did it, this team is, has the worst attack in a league with only 17 goals scored. I've only won twice at home. And guess what? They're going to take a page out of Tondela's book, and that's how they're going to play Benfica because if they could take points away from Benfica, we all know the close ties between Portimonense and Porto, they'd be doing their parent club a solid. Cristiano, what are you expecting, man? What are you expecting from this game? What am I excited? Alfredo, you're asking me a million-dollar question. I mean, look, it's what I say every week, right? I'm expecting the team to go out there, put on the right performance, come with the attitude that these points are important. Hopefully, they've learned their lesson from last week. They're embarrassed by their performance last week. And, you know, as sad as it was to see the bus get attacked and stuff, and, and you know, those those vandalizations of, 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 of the players' houses, which I do not condone, which is an embarrassment for Benfica fans yep. uh, to be involved in any of that stuff. That's not the Benfica that I know. Those are not the Benficaistas that I uh, associate with those I don't identify with those types of Benficistas they should be absolutely ashamed of, of what they've done but hopefully this does unite the team uh, this does get all the guys to to band together and say you know it's us against the world mentality and they go out there and, and they handle their business and they come away with the three points yeah the team wants to respond uh, right away uh, obviously after the performance the subpar performance that they had against Tondela and now uh, the attack where uh, a lot of been play- a lot of players are been questioned in terms of their effort. Laj is being questioned in terms of his competence. Uh, it's going to be a, a, it's not going to be an easy game for uh, for Benfica, Dave. No, and like you said before, their their close ties uh, with Porto. Um, luck this I don't know if it's luckily or the, just whatever it is. We're we're playing ahead of Porto this this time around, so. Whatever the result of the game, uh, Porto will know before they kick off. Um, that didn't play to our fact last week when uh, we knew the result of the Porto game. We knew that uh, we could have uh, gone ahead of Porto if we, we had beaten Tondela. Uh, and we, like we had spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that Benfica plays five times after Porto uh, play so I don't know if that's going to be that's going to come to our uh, advantage or not but um, the facts are that Porto plays after us in this game so they'll know the results of uh, this game and whether or not it's a positive result for us or not but uh, we Porto will play after us uh, right w- after us at four o'clock I would love to notice that Alfredo and Dave because yeah, it seems like it happens more often than, than than we would like right over the years I just remember bitching and complaining about it here on the podcast. I would like to know how many times Benfica have actually dropped points knowing Porto have gotten a negative uh, or positive for Benfica, but negative result for themselves. I would love to know the stats since like 2012 or something like that because okay. it's as if Benfica, when they know that they could step on their throat and put them out of their misery, they lax. And they go into a game, relax, and don't really do what we all anticipate that, you know, or, or, or we all want them to do. Yeah, the feeling that I have is that it happens quite frequently because uh, I, I remember these things happening. Um, I mean, I also remember Porto giving up uh, chances 
to us when we what after we faltered uh but this happens quite frequently um look the team needs to respond uh and th- they need to really be emphatic in the response that they have against Putimnes again they're going to find a team uh that is going to that's going to uh uh claw for as many points as they could grab because they're basically in a relegation battle. Um, but they also understand how predictable this Benfica team is. As Cristiano mentioned, we could basically say exactly who's going to touch the ball, who's going to get the ball on the line, who's going to get the cross, where the ball is going to end up on, on that cross. I mean, it's very predictable, and teams find comfort in understanding Uh, how Benfica plays and understanding how they could defend it and how they could steal points from Benfica. Um, but after this this uh, Portimonense game, we got Riwav, and that's a very very tough game uh, up in uh, up in Riwav. Uh, and that was perhaps one of the games that we're looking at these next 10 games. And this is before Tondela, of course. We're looking at these 10 games that we have to go, and you're looking at okay, what what games are going to be difficult? What games? Are, are possible point droppers, uh, and Hiwav is definitely one of those uh, one of those games. And if we don't pick up some momentum here against Portimonense uh, going into this Hiwav game, I don't I don't know, Chris. I don't know if I looked, I, I looked at I looked at Porto's schedule, remaining schedule, Benfica's remaining schedule last Thursday night, and Benfica's schedule is is by far. Uh, at least on paper, a much tougher schedule than Football Club Porto. Porto's got like two tough games every remaining of the year, which is Sporting and Braga, and that's about it. Uh, Benfica's got a handful of... Uh, well, Porto's tomorrow, Maritimo's not going to be easy, but that's it. And then it's a bunch of cupcakes after that, and then Sporting comes out in Braga, I think, to, uh, to finish the year, if I'm not mistaken. But they go a long stretch without facing anyone that's really going to pose a threat, where Benfica's got some very dicey uh, road matches of the remaining yeah. of the Yeah, I mean, even more. It just, it just, it just makes the the importance of being able to take over the lead in this last game so much more uh, than what it was. Than what it was, you know. After we found out that Porto had lost points and and with a chance, I think that's why people are so frustrated because that was perhaps a, a once in a in a championship chance that we had to go over pick up momentum and just ride it out or basically you know as you just said we looked at the schedule and that was really we're looking at maybe the last opportunity right where because Porto is again as I just stated they don't have a tough schedule maybe that was the last opportunity if he could pick up points on them Dave look up uh, what what Porto has uh, has left I know that Maritimo is usually Maritimo after Maritimo it's Avs Uh, Boa Vista, uh, Passos. Uh, Passos away or, or home? Fora. Uh, Balalens, uh, Tondela, uh. Sporting, Moriens, and uh, Braga. Yeah, see, they got two tough. I mean, come on, even Pass Ferreira away. Come on. Yeah, I, my feeling is that by the last round, the, the, the championship is probably wrapped up. I think those games against Sporting and Braga are not going to mean much. For so both teams. plays back-to-back games, Alfredo, I'm sorry. Benfica plays back-to-back games on a road. Portimonense and Riwav. Come back home, play Santa Clara. Go to Maritimo. Home to Boavista. Away to Famalicão, who we saw Benfica has such a tough time for Famalicão in the Taça de Portugal to knock him out. At home against Vitória Guimarães. That's not going to be an easy game. No. Nope. 
the famous Avs and Avs who are now making all the rounds in newspapers of Benfica and then finish off the season for Sporting's World Cup uh, against Sporting. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's Santa Clara should be easy. Okay, got it. Uh, Portimonense on paper should be easy, but because they're Porto B, you know it's going to be a tough game. And then on top of it, we've been playing like crap uh, coming off a break. We're not playing. You know, obviously our guys aren't into – well, all the gibberish we just covered. Fumalicão is going to be a very tough game. Guimarães is a tough game. Ops should be easy. Uh, but maybe these guys will have some type of chip on their shoulder with all the crap that's going around in the newspapers. Maybe they want to prove a point in sport. I mean, there's really uh, – Santa Clara is really the only easy game on schedule, to be brutally honest. There's nothing else that's easy. Yeah. Let me uh, – since you touched up on Ops, uh, let me uh, – let let's talk through that a, a little bit. Uh, so this past uh, Sunday, which was uh, the day of uh, of Porto's elections for president, which Pinto Costa got reelected, uh, but Publico, one of the uh, mainstream newspapers, uh, general generalistas or general newspapers, uh, published a piece on on Benfica's relationship with Avs. Um, and the way it was painted, it was really like it was it was an incestuous relationship where uh, Benfica took advantage. Uh, there was players being signed, uh, guys with certain clauses. It was just something that really painted Benfica in a bad light. But the truth of the matter is that uh, almost every big club in Portugal does these type of things where uh, they buy players and they never play and they end up on loan somewhere else. Then there's a clause that they can't go to the rivals. All these things are, are perfectly uh, normal uh, with, uh, with Portuguese football. Uh, not anymore because now you can know if you buy a player, the player has to stay with you for at least six months. Uh, so Benfica won't be doing that anymore. But this really exposed uh, and brought to light uh, perhaps one of the the worst parts of, of Portuguese football, which people are always doubting. There's always corruption associated with these things. But, Cristiano, some of these clauses are really round of the mill and perfectly normal in Portuguese football. Yeah, I mean, as far as the ones you just touched on, right, the the, the, the buy with the with the rival clause, that's – that's. I mean, I, I, I talked about it on Twitter – all these clauses is, is very common in, 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 in practical and from world football and Portuguese football as well. They're just trying to start a fire where there really is no fire. Because, again, anytime there is any uh, chance there will be negative news coming out of that club in the north, they need to, to spark something up. They need to throw a, uh, some, some, some smoke and some fire up in the air to try to distract everyone from really paying attention to – to the reality of things, to pay attention to the negativity that's going on up north. And so it, 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 we've just become numb to this. It's just that some point, look, I still read it because there might be something new in there. But for the most part, the stuff that goes on, the stuff that they're all complaining about, this is stuff that is very normal in world football. Um, so it's just, to me, Alfred, it's another one of those non-stories. Yeah, but, it, you know, look, it, it, it generated enough buzz that now the the – Discipline Council, or Conselho Disciplina, is now investigating. Uh, and look, aside from everything being very legal, it's still bad press. It's still uh, fuel for our opponents to say, well, you guys are corrupt, you guys are cheaters, you guys are doing this, you guys are doing that. When in reality, uh, what Pifica does is perhaps a, a mild 
uh, a mild thing that Porto has done with uh, with Portimonense. I mean, I remember, for example, Danilo, who is at Porto now, did not want to play for Maritimo. Ended up being being sold to Porto. Porto Maritimo were in bad terms. They didn't want to make yeah. a deal together. So Portimonense winds up buying them and from Maritimo, and then he ends up at Porto. And winds up winds up at Porto the very next day. That's just the shenanigans that goes around. There's Pauline. There's so many. I think Porto has done over 30 deals with with Portimonense over the last three years, and nobody talks about. But now, Alfredo, here's one thing that I want to I want I want to get correct here, right? Which is I don't want to come on here on this podcast or on Twitter or on any platform or on the phone wherever it is I may be. I don't want to come and defend Benfica with the yeah, mas o Porto me faz. But look at Sporting. Now at the end of the day, look if Benfica is guilty of some type of cheating here, right? Of some type of corruption, of some type of influence to get results in their favor, Benfica should be punished to the very extent of the law. Yeah, I agree I, with you. I, I have no problem admitting that. But then, then I will throw in, right? If you're going to punish Benfica, which you should investigate, if there is some, some like you know, with the whole, if there's smoke, there's fire. If there's some smoke there, you have the obligation to go ahead and investigate. But then that's where my Fikista in me comes out and says, but make sure you investigate A, B, C, and D. Don't just keep investigating Benfica. It's always Benfica. Anytime Benfica gets thrown a rumor out there, any type of accusation, they get, you know, they, they their headquarters get, get searched and warrants. When we all know, right, that the other clubs are straight dirt and nobody is even they're not getting anything checked. They're not getting anybody investigating. It just seems like that the news. It's very directed one way. Bias. And that's where we have a problem. That's where I have a problem. But again, if Benfica is guilty of something, yo, punish them to the law. 100%. Lock everybody up. Give me new press. Give me new everything. But while you're at it, make sure you investigate the other clubs as well. Yeah. Then, then I support you even more. No, 100%. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm wondering how much of this is actually illegal that Benfica is doing or Benfica is just taking advantage of a loophole uh, that needs to be corrected by the league, which apparently they have corrected for this year, this year in terms of buying players and selling them and loaning them, whatever. Um, but how much is it a loophole that Benfica takes advantage of? And it's Look, not, we all, nothing illegal. We all questioned that at one point or another, the Patrick Vieira signings from Maritimo, the Ucras, these guys. These, these oh, guys. Yeah. And we, we actually have a joke. If the on and on and on. If the president takes a picture uh, with you in a suit, that means you're never going to wear a Benfica shirt. If he takes a picture with you in a sweatsuit, that means you're going to be staying on the team. Like, we've seen all those shenanigans, all those fishy deals, and we've all questioned it, right? We've all questioned, why are you signing this guy when you have no intention of ever playing him? And then that's where the, the, the dirty words come in. Like, oh, now the negativity, right? Now you start to think. Well, maybe they got Patrick Vieira just so he wouldn't sign for Vitória Guimarães, for example, and make Vitória Guimarães stronger. Yeah. Right? Like, you start to quit. But, again, it's it's common practice. Yeah. It's common. It happens every day. So, uh, again, if Mifika's dirty, get them, boys. Get them. But get everyone else. Don't just keep getting the same one person. Don't just follow the same people. You got to get everyone else. Clean everything. Because if you're just penalizing one team, but everyone else keeps doing what they got to what's the point? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's tremendously biased in terms of the news, and we don't know how much of it has to do uh, with the Porto uh, election, of course, and I wanted to throw that bit in there because it adds a little bit of context to the whole setting. Uh, and Benfica thinks that the that news story 
was actually something that was ordered or paid for. Uh, there's these favors, whatever. Uh, so I don't know how much of that was to really rally um, Porto supporters behind Pinto Costa because Pinto Costa has been uh, the face of, uh, of fighting against Benfica. Uh, and since Benfica is, uh, is now apparently, according to the story, um, corrupt and taking advantage of the system, perhaps... As Porto fans, I want the guy that's going to fight the best and that has fought the best against Benfica throughout these years. So I'm going to vote Pinto da Costa. I was undecided, but I'm going to vote for Pinto da Costa. So we don't know how much of that had to do with it. But the fact of the matter is still negative uh, publicity. It's still something that makes the international media. Uh, so it, it is, it's not an ideal situation. Of course, Benfica put out a, a, a huge memo uh, responding to that, and certainly I'm, I was happy with the way they responded, but still, nonetheless, bad press. Things aren't good, because right now the only press Benfica is getting is bad press, whether it's corruption or beating up or, or attacking their own buses and, and vandalizing plays. Just what's going on around Benfica right now is nothing positive. Hopefully tomorrow they'll come out, perform the way they should perform, and let's get the positive news coming out. Let's all start talking about what's going on on the football field rather than what's going on off the football field. And on that note, we'll say goodbye. Dave, any parting thoughts? I don't even know. I'm not feeling confident tomorrow, guys. I'm, I'm expecting another draw, unfortunately. Cristiano. Nepa, I, 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 look, as Benfica never says die, right? We, 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 we always think that as long as there's – there's a, f a punch to be thrown. We're going to at least attempt to throw it. And, and, and look, I, I understand things haven't been rosy. As I just said, you know, we haven't played well. Well, I can't even say we haven't played. It's one freaking game. But, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't play well in this first game after three months, and we weren't playing well before that. Look, I still like to think that Benfica is going to find a way. We have professionals on this team. We have better caliber players than the opposition. I understand they're probably going to try to play very similar to 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 the Tondela, which is just park the bus and do what you got to do and let Benfica come get the result um because to them Porto be a draw will be just as good as a win in particular yeah. Porto then is able to get a three points afterwards so I would not be surprised if they play just like Tondela did in the first half but that being said I hope that Benfica has a fight in them. I hope that these players have pride in them. I hope that the coaching staff is aware of the opportunity that they have at hands and that tomorrow they find a way to come away with a two-to-one victory. Yeah, I think that uh, Benfica squeaks one out. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. They're not going to play well, uh, but they're going to be able to uh, to win this game. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Look, I, I just I need a sign from this team. Uh, because I think that these first couple games, these first few games, are going to dictate a lot on what's going to go on for the rest of the championship, the rest of the games that we have to play. So I'm hoping that the team can respond. Uh, and look, if, if it's rusty, it's rusty. Uh, but the one thing that I always demand from this team and these players is the level of intensity, the level of professionalism, the level of engagement uh, that a Benfica player should have one putting on the jersey. So I expect uh, a, a response from the team. And, and, and look, there's no, um, there's no way around it. You, you have to win the rest of the games if you want to be champion. Aside from that, 
like we're just wasting our, our time and you might as well have stayed in, in quarantine. But yep. You're wasting so, a lot of COVID tests. If yeah, to do that's that. right. That's, that's true. That's right. So that's all we got for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back. We'll look ahead uh, to Riwav and we'll recap this, uh, this, this uh, Protimnes game, which hopefully will be better uh, than uh, the Stondela game. Uh, so certainly, uh, we're, I'm upset. I know Cristiano's frustrated. I know Dave, you're you're frustrated too. We really can't find uh, uh, words uh, to express the, the what we feel and the opportunity that we give up. But uh, as Benfiquistas, we always come back uh, for the next game. So we will also be back next week. Thanks a lot for checking us out at Benfica Podcast at 10CO10 at 87 do 87 is where you can find us on Twitter. Uh, thanks a lot, BefigaIndependent.com. Don't forget to visit them, uh, BefigaPodcast.com. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Stay grounded. And treat everybody the same way you like to be treated. <laughs>